Good evening. Uh, my name is David Kim. I'm a student minister here, otherwise affectionately known as Kimmy. <laughs> it's my great privilege to bring uh, God's Word tonight. Uh, if you don't have a Bible yet, please grab one. Uh, make sure you have your Bible open in front of you. We need to make sure that I'm not a super apostle or anything like that, so please grab one. And let me pray before we start. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do truly thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, in this time um, to sit under your word with humble hearts. By your spirit, help us with wisdom to understand uh, your word, but also give us uh, obedient hearts uh, to put it into practice and apply it into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you heard of the large blue? It's a rare butterfly species. You'll find it in the UK. I think it's quite pretty, don't you think? It's quite a pretty butterfly. But did you know to bring one of these into the world, it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of a whole ant colony. And what do I mean by that? Well, when it's a caterpillar, the large blue waits until it meets a worker ant. When it meets one, the caterpillar pumps out these chemicals called pheromones. These pheromones, it tricks the worker ant into thinking this caterpillar is one of its own larvae, a baby ant. And so what the worker ant does is that it takes this caterpillar back into its colony straight into the baby's chamber. Having successfully infiltrated the ant colony, the large blue, the caterpillar, proceeds to feed on the ant larvae for the next six months. Once its belly is full and the ant colony is completely eaten, the large blue makes its cocoon. Then it comes out as a butterfly to start the process all over again. The large blue may look pretty, may look nice, but don't be deceived. It's tricky and it's dangerous. We're in the book of 2 Corinthians, and a similar thing has happened to the Corinthian church. A bunch of false teachers, or as Paul calls them, super apostles, have successfully infiltrated the church community in Corinth. They're rich they're impressive speakers, and they're trying to get the church to follow them and their message instead of Apostle Paul and the original Christian message. In today's passage, we follow Paul as he defends himself and his ministry and exposes these super apostles for who they really are. He begins in a bit of a strange way, though. He asks the Corinthians to bear with his foolishness. What do you think he means? We find a clue in chapter 10. If you remember, in chapter 10, Paul taught that boasting about yourself and commending yourself is foolish. He says proper boasting is to boast in God. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. What matters is what God thinks of you. Paul also said in chapter 10 that the Corinthians were judging by appearance. That's why, because they were judging by appearance, they were being sucked into the boasting and the self-commendation of the super apostles. But Paul is desperate. He's desperate that the Corinthians don't follow after the super apostles because that'd be an internal disaster. And so Paul feels, he feels forced to boast about himself and the way he has treated the Corinthians in order to win the Corinthians over. Look with me in verse 1 of today's passage, verse 1. 
I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. Paul then gives us his first and most important boast. He says he's told the Corinthians the true message of Jesus Christ. He introduces this by saying that he has a godly jealousy for the Corinthians. Now, when we read this at first, it might sound bad that Paul is jealous. But there are times when we think about it where jealousy is right. For example, in marriage. In marriage, it's right for a husband to be jealous for his wife and vice versa because they rightfully belong to one another and they should be jealous for that. And this is the kind of jealousy Paul is talking about when he says he has a godly jealousy for the Corinthians. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Corinthians rightfully belong to God, not to some super apostles. The Corinthian church rightfully belonged to Jesus like a bride rightfully belongs to a groom. And so Paul continues to say he's like a father. And just as a father wants to keep his daughter pure and faithful for her marriage, Paul wants to keep the Corinthian church pure and faithful for their marriage to Christ. But now the Corinthians are going off with the super apostles. Like Eve in the garden, they're being deceived and led astray. The Corinthians are being deceived and led astray to a different Jesus. Look with me, verses 2 to 4. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Now remember, the, these Corinthians, they're judging by appearance. They're judging by external things. That's why when they look at the super apostles who are wealthy, impressive, they think that they are superior to Paul. But now Paul boasts that he is in no way inferior to these super apostles. Why? Because he has knowledge. He has knowledge of the true gospel. Look with me in verse 5 and the first half of verse 6. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. Paul then goes on to talk about money. Why does he do this? Well, you see, part of the reason why these super apostles were so popular and, they, and gained favor from the Corinthians was because they were getting paid money for their message and their ministry. They were essentially saying, look guys, you've heard Paul, you've heard him say this and that, but if you sign up with us, if you pay us, if you sign up to our monthly subscription, you'll essentially get Paul Premium. <laughs> the real thing. No ads. <laughs> I mean, it's generally true, isn't it? You get what you paid for. But in this case, Paul says it's not true. These super apostles, they didn't even know the true gospel to begin with. They weren't even providing the real thing yet the premium thing. Meanwhile, Paul's gospel, because it's true, because it's about the true Jesus Christ, it's eternally valuable. 
And the reason Paul didn't charge the Corinthians for giving them the gospel for free was because of his great love for them. He was desperate. He desperately wants them to know the true Jesus. And he won't let money or any other thing get in the way of that. He even goes on to say that he, he got other churches and other brothers to help him and support him so that he could offer the gospel for free. He went out of his way to love the Corinthians in this way. Look with me, rest of verse 6 to verse 11. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. Now, in these final few verses, Paul finally exposes these super apostles for who they really are. Just as he differentiated himself by preaching the gospel free of charge, Paul says he'll continue to differentiate himself. He'll continue to differentiate himself from these false apostles to expose them. He'll keep preaching for free so that no one can accuse him of being dishonest and to show up the true motives of these false apostles. Look with me in verse 12 and 13. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And Paul says these super apostles, these false apostles might look good on the outside. They might look impressive, but it's a trick. It's a deception. And it's the trick of Satan. They are actually false and dangerous teachers. Remember the large blue, the, the butterfly? When it's a caterpillar and when it meets the worker ant, it doesn't go, hey, look, I'm going to eat you up in the next six months. It tricks the worker ant, pumps these pheromones and says, hey, look, I'm one of you guys. I'm lost. Bring me back home. We're on the same team. Satan, the master of these false apostles, masquerades as an angel of light. And if he does, then so do his servants. But even though the Corinthians might be fooled, God isn't. And so Paul says, in the end, they will receive the judgment and the condemnation they deserve. Look with me, verse 14 to 15. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, can you see what's here in today's passage? Paul is defending himself against these super apostles who have successfully infiltrated the church community in Corinth. He's jealous for the Corinthians to be presented before God, holy and pure. And so he boasts to them that he has given them the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He says he preached the, the gospel for free of charge because he loves the Corinthians. And finally, Paul exposes these false apostles for who they really are. 
as servants of Satan. They might seem impressive on the outside, but they're tricky and they're dangerous. And on judgment day, they'll get what they deserve. Now, how does this passage relate to us today? Well, I think we can start by being thankful that we here at CPC haven't been infiltrated by any super apostles. Last time I checked, David Kimmy Kim wasn't a super apostle, so I think we're all good for now. Our church seems quite healthy, quite secure, but we don't want to get too comfortable. We don't want to become uh, complacent. Our health and our security shouldn't lead us to think that false teaching or false teachers could never happen to us. Back in the 1990s, this church, CPC, was supplied by a minister called Peter Cameron. And then in 1993, he was declared by the Presbyterian Church as a heretic. And he was here for three years. So don't think it can't happen here. Especially after all, when we look around the world today, there's still full, it's still full of false teachers, full of heretics and cults. And so we need to be careful. We need to continue to be careful of false teachers. Let me share what happened to a friend of mine. He was part of a church down in the Eastwood area, for those who know where that is. It was fairly small, but they were quite tight-knit and quite healthy. They had what they called a young adults ministry. It was a ministry for single university students onwards. One day, a charming young bloke started to attend this church. He was smart. He was upright. He was righteous. He was passionate and committed. He never missed a service or a church event. He later on then became a teacher in children's ministry, then a youth leader, then the music leader, until one day he became essentially a student minister, a co-minister with the existing pastor there over the young adults ministry. He was there at this church for 12 years. He was there for 12 years until one day the church held a seminar to educate its members on cult and cult activity. The guest speaker for this event, he, he asked that strictly no phones be allowed in the seminar room because at that time, uh, a lot of cult members would sneak in their phones, record the whole seminar, go back to their cult leaders and then debrief with them. And so he asked, no phones allowed. Halfway through the seminar, somebody finds a phone. And as you may have guessed by now, it belonged to this guy. When they asked him about the phone, all he said was three words. All he said was, I've been caught. Ran out of church. They couldn't find him ever again. When they were investigating his activities uh, over the past 12 years at the church, they found that over the 12 years, he had been taking students and church members alike to his cult Bible studies and events, all under the disguise of being part of a larger Christian community. Friends, we need to be careful of false teachers. From this passage, I'd like to suggest three things, three things that we need to be careful of or to be aware of. The first thing is this, the first thing to be careful of this, point number one, be careful of half-truths. Be careful of half-truths. Paul, in today's passage, likened the super apostles to the serpent in the garden. When the serpent deceived Eve, he did it with half-truths about God. The super apostles would have been the same. They would have talked about things that sounded true, 
they didn't come out with obviously untrue things. They masqueraded as apostles of Christ. But importantly, they were half-truths. They weren't the full, whole truth. The most effective lives, dear friends, lies, dear friends, if we think about it, are the ones that have a hint of truth in them. And it's still t- uh, true today. One common example that we can find today uh, is this. People will say, God is love. And they use this to justify all kinds of sins as if because God is love, he won't mind what they do and he won't judge them. This is obviously a half-truth. It omits important facts. God indeed is love, that's true, but he's way more than just simply love. And to begin with, God's love is different from the love of this world. And so that was point number one, dear friends. We, we need to be careful of half-truths. Here's the second thing to be careful of. Point number two. We want to be careful of how teachers love and serve us. Be careful of how teachers love and serve us. This point, we're, we're focusing more on what Paul does, the example that he gives. And if we remember from tonight's passage, Paul went out of his way to love and serve the Corinthian church. He truly loved them. He was jealous that they be presented before Jesus, pure and faithful. Because of this, he didn't even charge them for his service. We want our teachers and pastors to love us in this way. We want our teachers and pastors to be such examples. We want them to be passionate about presenting us before Jesus, pure and faithful. We want them to love us and not money. We want them to be this example of true Christianity so that what they say and what they teach is backed up by how they live. We want teachers who truly love Jesus and who truly love us. And so that was point number two. Be careful of how teachers love and serve us. So that brings us to our final point tonight. And at first, it might, go, it might seem to go against the second point, but here's point number three. Point number three is this. Be careful of appearances. Be careful of appearances. These super apostles were charming, wealthy, winsome. They were impressive. But Paul exposed them to be false apostles, to be servants of Satan. A person can be intelligent. He or she can be faithful, committed, good-looking, grow out a beautiful mullet. (laughs) But none of these things by themselves can ever promise trustworthiness. It's important that we learn to look past, look past appearances and look to the ultimate message these people preach and teach. Are they preaching the true message of Jesus? Are they leading us back to the true gospel of Jesus Christ or are they preaching a different gospel? So we we do want to see a, a high standard of godly conduct in the way our pastors and teachers Uh, teach and minister. That that was point two. But we must not trust them simply on these appearances. We must always remember the ultimate test is that they teach us the true message of Jesus. 
the same true message that was preached by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And so, friends, we need to continually ask God for wisdom and discernment, and we need, we need to keep our Bibles open. We need to use the Bible as our standard. We need to use the Bible to test what we hear from our teachers against what God says in his word. We need to be constantly making sure that everything we hear can be found in the Bible, is according to the Bible, and reflects the true gospel message of Jesus Christ as written in the Bible. By doing this, this will actually help us in all three of our points tonight, the three points that we need to be careful of. Because if we practice and discipline ourselves in reading and studying and using the Bible, it will help us in being careful of half-truths. It will help us to know what to look for in our pastors and teachers. And it will help us not to be tricked by appearances. Dear friends, not everything is as it appears. The large blue might look attractive, but don't be deceived. It's tricky and it's dangerous. In the same way, not every person who claims to teach the truth about Jesus is true. A teacher might seem impressive. They might be popular, but don't be deceived. Be careful of false teachers. Let's make sure that we stick with the true, the original gospel message about Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Help us, Lord to be careful of false teachers, and to cling on to the true, the original message of Jesus Christ as revealed in your word. In his name we pray. Amen.